Thomas Jefferson wrote, a well-informed electorate is a prerequisite to a functioning democracy. My name is Terrell Couch, and this is Civics Failed, a mini-series of Dangerously Lightly. Happy Transgender Day of Visibility. This International Day of Awareness was championed by Rachel Crandall in 2009 as a way to highlight the trans community outside of the mourning of members of the community on Transgender Day of Remembrance. Activism like this remains necessary in our democracy as over a dozen states push anti-trans legislation through their legislative bodies right this second. Notably, Utah's House Bill 11, which bans transgender students from playing in girls' sports, was recently vetoed by their governor, Spencer Cox, only to be overridden by the lawmakers by their lawmakers the next day. I believe in process, the governor said in a letter explaining his veto. How we make policy matters almost as much as the policy itself. Any opportunity to participate is a critical component to public trust. In Idaho, House Bill 675 passed the House, 55 in favor, 13 against, and 2 absent. The bill prohibits gender-affirming surgeries as well as health care, such as hormonal therapies and puberty blockers for minors. The Idaho State Senate would go on to kill the bill in their chamber, affirming their opposition to gender reassignment surgeries, and I quote, but showing an unease at the thought the government would interfere with parents' choice when it comes to their child's health care. While thankful it did not pass both chambers, two longtime physicians in the state highlighted the true cost of these actions best. And I quote, even the threat of denying transgender children adequate medical care can lead to heartbreaking consequences. Florida, Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky, Alabama, Arizona, Utah, and the list may very well go on. Yet and still, 56% of trans youth have attempted suicide. As a cisgendered, bisexual, African-American male, I have a minute space to speak here. Most of the identities I've listed have and are still being attacked by a country I was born to and promised a set of inalienable rights. Promises never kept on this soil, even when they highlight the opportunities and successes I've been fortunate to take advantage of, just so I could speak to you all today. Opportunities hundreds of our trans citizens will never have because they are being targeted in our own society. While I cannot speak to those experiences, I'm so excited to have the space to share a conversation I had with Nisha, not only on the trans experience, but how we educate ourselves and show up for that community. So for our audience, how about you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Tanisha, and I also go by Nisha, and I use they, them pronouns exclusively. 
And I would describe myself today in this space as a Black person who is queer and trans and a survivor of violence. I've lived all over all over the world in small rural communities, but my home and my roots are in Idaho, um, particularly Caldwell, which is the Niwa Anumu lands that have been stolen and unreturned, also known as the Shoshone Bannock lands. And how I'm story to the space today, I am an educator. I've got my background in history and sociology. Um, and most recently, I got my master's in social justice and human rights. So I enter today with all of those lenses and, of course, my own lived experiences. But above all else, I guess I would just describe myself as a change maker and caretaker who will make my life and death, making sure that all people are free. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to connect with you. Um, I don't know if you remember, but one of my... One of my more profound memories with you was with my fraternity coming down to Boise State um, and you putting on an intersection education for the guys and really challenging them to understand who they were and understand that their identities, um, while they might sit for them, they also have an outward facing piece and can impact others in different ways. And from that moment on, I, like you said, I knew you were a change major, change maker and recognize the, the impact that you can have. Um, so in those identities, what's your experience like in this country? What's sitting in those identities centered in those intersections? What is your experience in America? You know, I actually, like, I remember that conversation. I remember that conversation with that fraternity pretty vividly. And I think even at that point in my life, like, just so many of my identities in this country, I just have really found, like, a lot of self-hate throughout my lifetime. And I don't think it's actually my identities that, like, lead to self-hate. I don't think it's my identities that lead to these internal conflicts at all. It's just how my communities and my identities are treated and how they're held or recognized or the lack thereof in this country. So I think that just throughout so much of my life, it's just been so much pain and conflict. And I'm not even trying to go into the trauma because we have an abundance of trauma porn for us to be able to dive through. Um, but in the last few years, I've just been really proud of myself and really proud of the communities around me for modeling like these experiences might not be all glitz, all glamour. They might not be everything shiny and gold and beautiful. However, these experiences can radicalize us. And really just tapping into letting myself be radicalized by my experiences and my identities has probably been one of the best things that's happened in my life. And I, I know when I say that, like when I when I say radicalize, I think a lot of times people think of like, all right, so at midnight, we all wear black and we make Molotov cocktails and we go to the closest precinct. And it's absolutely, I mean, it could be those things. It's absolutely not it's like you, you do live in, you have lived in Idaho. So that does track. Like that does make sense to me. Is <laughs> for baby. Um, no, but in reality, like it's really just been letting myself be radicalized. Um, and letting my experiences for my identities become a, I don't know, just a praxis for how I radicalize because I think of how Dr. Angela Davis talks about radicalizing and how she describes it as like getting to the root of the issue. 
if the oppression that I face was like this big plant that I'm trying to hack away at rather than trying to get some of its leaves off or rather than trying to prune some of its flowers. I'm really just trying to get to the seed itself, to the closest root. So hmm. I think how that shows up in my identities, like the transphobia that I face rather than, for example, like there's transphobia in my, a workplace rather than trying to have conversations with my colleagues, which I do. I also will have bigger conversations about how the entire framework of our work itself is transphobic or how that shows up in school. Well, thank you for uh, giving me that perfect segue, right? Of happy transgender visibility day. Kind of sitting in that, what does good policy look like when it relates to that intersection? What does, as we're watching states, again, I'll shout out Idaho. Um, while the bill might have died in the Senate, we can't ignore the fact that trauma was caused by a, a just outright attack on our trans brothers and sisters in the state. Um, you have Florida with their don't say gay bill. You have the governor of Utah saying, um, I'm not signing a bill for to discriminate against trans youth in sports. And then the legislature vetoing him and saying, nope, this is something we care about. So we've seen a lot of bad policy, right? But what does good policy look like when it relates to the, uh, the priority and the um, specificity around transgendered individuals? When I'm thinking about this day and how it impacts my siblings and my brothers and sisters who are trans and genderqueer, there's so many things that I think of. Um, I do, I will say first and foremost, like as somebody who practices abolition, my ideal world of good policy is really no policy at all. I can imagine a world where all of us are free that doesn't have policy as we know it. And in the society that we're current, currently navigating, I know that there's ways to reduce harm. And I do believe that policy is a way to reduce harm as we live into the world where policy is proven obsolete. Um, so yeah, some of the things that I think about more generally, like policy that gives trans and gender expansive people power. Um, one of my siblings and probably one of the revolutionaries who taught me so much about what I know about trans liberation, Dalton, Dalton Batagontes, um, they said something about how representation without power is just a target. And I feel like that's been really, really resonant in the last few years, um, especially as anti-trans legislation is pouring itself throughout the nation. And really just understanding that, yeah, cool, we've gotten some TV shows. Yeah, cool, there's a couple of new books published by trans folks. And all of these things are important and necessary and beautiful. And unless we have power behind all of those things, it's actually just a target on all of our backs. So if I were to think about policy, that I can think of immediately changing the scope of my life. In Idaho, that would mean that there's finally something in place so that we legally yeah. cannot be discriminated against. Like we could get kicked out of school, we could get kicked out of our house, we could get fired and it's completely okay. So that's one of the most obvious ones that pops into my mind. But in terms of policy, I also was really admiring one of the new bills that I saw come up during Idaho session. Um, and essentially it is creating a new system or enhancing the system that exists for missing and murdered indigenous people. Because mm -hmm. those little Amber Alerts that we get on our phone, there's not really a way for when missing and murdered indigenous people 
um, and their cases are going out. There's not really a way for us to know about that. So they're amplifying that. And as I'm thinking about how every single year is the most deadly year for trans people, I'm really thinking about like what that would look like if if our absence, if us being missing was something that people actually knew about or cared about and what that could look like. So that's other policies that I'm really tuned into. And lastly, just gender affirming care. Like all of all of the bills that have been going throughout the nation started in Idaho. Um, like these bills literally our lawmakers in Idaho are traveling across the nation to help other states pass this legislation. So I really think of so many offensive and defensive things that we could do in terms of policy. But I think at the end of the day, all of these policy all of this policy needs to amplify our power and understand that it's not trans people are going from broken, fragmented people who are under attack to people who are whole and restored and have rights. We're moving from wholeness to wholeness. Um, and that's something that teacher Norma Wong taught me. Wholeness to wholeness. Like our policy needs to understand that trans people have been people. Trans people have been whole people. It's just a matter of the state finally recognizing that and creating policy that honors that. Kind of sitting in that for a second. One, I appreciate that wholeness to wholeness piece and it really resonates with me but i think in this in this topic in this space one of the bigger issues that you see when you hear the the rhetoric come out of legislatures when you hear people talk about is a miseducation right like people not understanding that wholeness um what's one thing or several things that you feel we as a people are not educated enough on when it comes to our trans community, but also when it comes to recognizing that wholeness. Ooh, try you're about to start a TED talk. I mean, <laughs> so many things. Dang, that's a very good and loaded question. Like, it's wild to me. I hear that. I hear that notion a lot of like it's a it's a matter of indoctrinating education or like people are mis miseducated. Like, child, I was grown up into this world only understanding that cishet people existed. That was the norm, that I had mm -hmm. to be a cishet person. And it's wild because if if we were in this imaginary world to imagine everybody is a queer trans person, like people are imagining or posing, there are people who obviously would enter this world as cishet people in the same way that I grew up through a cishet world as a queer trans person. So that whole notion is wild to me um, and very important to address. Um, but just in terms of other things that I want people to know about our people or just education that I think that we should really just make our our ground foundation. I think of how like this is nothing new. I think that that's another thing that I wish that I could get on a megaphone or put into every textbook in the nation or in the world that trans people are nothing new to this earth um even though so many of these concepts about trans communities or transphobia might be new to people in our society they're not really new at all like i saw i saw a tweet the other day that said that the first um gender affirming procedure was done in 1922 um and the first total knee replacement i think was in like 1968 or something like that and so really just understanding the grasp of like this isn't new. And of course, there were so many trans people before 1922 as well. We mm -hmm. have a very long, rich history and lineage of trans folks. Um, 
So I think that that's another thing that I really would want folks to know about. Um, and I guess just the the last thing that I really would want in my TED talk about everything <laughs> that you need to know about trans people is that we really are all mutual partners in trans liberation. Like every single day that I go by and I'm not free and I'm not whole and I'm not protected or safe is a day where other folks aren't because although we might not share every identity in the same way, my liberation and your liberation are deeply intertwined. So I would really just love to teach folks more about how we have mutual stakes in this and how we really do have to work together because our lives do depend on it very, very much so. It, it's that, right? It's the fact that lives depend on this lives depend on this education lives depend on this advocacy lives depend on these voices um and it's just for me um as a african-american bisexual cisgendered male like that's the piece that hits specifically in the african-american space of our lives dependent on this kind of voice lifting and this kind of advocacy and to to hear from you and to be able to connect with you um and see that in the year 2022 we're still watching and witnessing death and and erase erasure is hard (laughs) yeah hard to say the least and really just understanding that like there are so many, <laughs> there are so few spaces, there are so many spaces in which I can really hold the fact that like my blackness and my queerness and my transness are all safe and held because I understand that the ticking talk that black people face in America doesn't move at the same rate as as our counterpart, uh, counterparts, as our non-black comrades and peoples. And I really just know as a black person who's also trans like there's not been a single day in weeks literally years where there's not another black trans elder who was found in a suitcase somewhere whose body has been washed up in some river somewhere and just all of these things so it's literally just like a matter of life and death and it's a matter of understanding that ain't no black person gonna be safe from the police ain't no black person gonna be celebrated and applauded in the Supreme Court if there's another day that our Black trans sisters are just another dismembered body in the bottom of some lake in a suitcase. I appreciate you so much, and I'm so thankful to have crossed paths and to connect and to be able to call upon you to hop on a quick conversation with me about this topic and Obviously, I'm sitting a lot. I'm hoping that our listeners are also hearing your voice and also sitting in a lot right now as as you process that because it's so accurate. Um, but as we close, if this touched someone as much as it touched me in your life, how how can a listener right now get involved? How what action can be taken to further some of those pieces or some of those things that you've highlighted? for our trans community, for our black and brown communities, for our queer communities? Like, how can civics succeed, if you will? How can civics succeed? 
Now, thank you for opening up space for how we can move forward from this, because a lot of the times we just end in how we feel and we don't know how to make sense of it going forward from there. So I think some of the action steps that I will put behind this is really just like, I welcome folks to lean into that discomfort, or if there's things that made them feel a little uncomfortable to lean into curiosity about what makes that what makes that uncomfortable what does that make them think of i really want folks to go into the deep because i think when we're able to go into the deep and not just become distracted by the next thing or able to table those feelings we're really able to like i said earlier like let this radicalize us i want i want it to make people sick that there are so many unnamed unknown bodies that are trans people who are just left somewhere to never really be found again or to be cared about again. Um, I want that to devastate people so that there's change behind it, so that there is stuff out there to protect us and to advocate for it. So I would say to go into the deep, um, other action items beyond just going into the deep, because that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I would also say that like public disrespect and private apologies don't mix and to interrupt that however is possible. So if that might mean that you recently publicly misgendered somebody, also find a way after speaking to that person to like publicly honor them or to make amends for that. Um, That could be one example. I think that if somebody's not in the room, um, and like there has been public disrespect, not to privately necessarily just message the person who was just misgendered or dead name, but to also make sure that like, if they're not in the room, you're still able to advocate and be supportive of trans people. There don't have to be trans people in the room watching for you to show up for trans lives. So that's another action item that I would have for folks is really to just implore and challenge them to center trans people and trans aliveness in every space that they're in, not just when it's convenience or when there's people watching or a convenient gaze. And lastly, if I had to have like one more action item, I would say that I would love to see more action behind people becoming accountable to trans and gender expansive communities. Um, And accountability is another big, scary shit word. And I know that that can look like watching Pose or reading a book by a look that allows people to have more intimacy and connection to trans peoples. But when I'm really talking about accountability, I think about like trans people being able to actually push back or offer ideas or ask if you want to have meals together. Like if if we're not at that space, I don't think that we're really accountable. So to really just continue working on that accountability and working on that authentic accountability because I would love to see a world where there's trans people who are able to lean on our non-trans counterparts for our aliveness. Like I don't wanna just see folks who are showing up to support us just when we have mutual aid posts going around or just when there's another hashtag that needs to circulate about another trans person who has died. Like I want to see 
accountability and authentic accountability that amplifies trans aliveness. Like, oh, Shadi just got a promotion. Let's make sure they got champagne tonight. Or, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this wonderful comrade of mine who just so happens to be trans or is a vibrant trans person really deserves to have abundance and to have this passion project that they're energized by have excitement about it. I just, I want to see accountability amplify our aliveness and not just accountability that honors our death or that helps us when we're in crisis. So I would love to see accountability that really supports and fosters our aliveness so that our civics and so that our policy and all of that can follow and pass. Thank you. And again, I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation. I'm glad that we were able to make it work because we know you stay busy (laughs) and you stay moving, but uh, I thank you so much for your authenticity, your vulnerability, and your willingness to just continue being an educator. Of course. I appreciate you so, so much. And I appreciate this time. I love speaking about my people and the liberation of my people. And I know that these were big concepts, so I really do welcome folks to sit with that. Um, I'm trusting in you to find ways to peop- uh, so people can stay in touch with me so that there's follow-up and furthered conversations from all the seeds we just planted. While I may joke, there are few souls I've interacted with as true to power as Nisha. As we finished our conversation, they shared a final thought I want to leave you all with. Close your eyes and imagine a space where trans people are liberated, happy, vibrant, and thriving. Process what makes you think of that space. What does that space look like? Why does it feel like those words and hold on to that as nisha said imagination is where power is where possibility can happen and if we all can sit in that imagination and really truly think about what liberation looks like for our trans community that possibility could easily become reality and maybe we can say that civic succeeded Pop quiz. Who are your state representatives and what are they running for? Follow us on Instagram at dangerously underscore likely or email us at dangerously likely at gmail.com to let us know your answers. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening for our notifications of any new episodes. My name is Terrell Couch and this has been Civics Failed.